because their opinion they feel was not valued. But in a Christ-built church, the main thing we want to go for is not our opinion, but the will of God. Oh, I, I should have got more amens right there. I don't want my opinion being established, but I want the will of God to be established in his church. And if it doesn't go the way that I think it should go, I'm okay with that. As long as I know that it's going God's way. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound Broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Billerica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. Notice Matthew, the 16th chapter, we're going to begin reading at verse number 13, and we're going to read down or conclude reading at verse number 18. Notice what the Bible said. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Notice verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Notice verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock of this revelation, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Notice the revelation that Peter received according to verse 17 was a revelation that he received and held on to, which actually came according to Jesus' words from his father. Notice the latter clause. He tells him that, but my father who is in heaven, has gave you this revelation. Notice how powerful that revelation was that Jesus would say in verse 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Here's what we have to pay attention. He's going to build his church on the revelation 
that he is the Christ. He is the son of God. His church will be built upon the revelation that he is the Messiah. He is God in the flesh. And so notice what he says. And he says, the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. Notice that the gates of hell is going to come against Jesus' church. It is going to come against his church. But notice carefully that Jesus said when the gates of hell comes against his church, he's clear. He said it will not prevail. It will not prevail. But notice again, I want to take my emphasis on when the gates of hell comes against a church, it is not able to prevail because that church is Christ built. That church is a Christ built church. And whenever you have a Christ built church, you also have what I'm going to deem as my subject tonight, a battle tested church. Because if the gates of hell are going to come against us, yet they are not going to prevail because we again are a Christ-built church, then we are going to become a battle-tested church. And that's what I want to preach on for a few moments tonight, a battle-tested church. Amen. Let's give God a praise for our subject on tonight, a battle-tested church. Come on and give him a praise like he has brought you through many battles. Somebody already know what I'm talking about. Again, he has brought you through many battles. But again, I want to minister again on the subject, a battle-tested church. And again, I want to say to us that a battle-tested church, again, is a Christ-built church. A Christ-built church is a Christ-minded church. And a Christ-minded church has to have a Christ-minded pastor. Again, a battle-tested church is a Christ-built church. A battle-tested church is also a Christ-minded church. And a Christ-minded church has to have, as its primary leader, a Christ-minded pastor. Notice that Jesus, in the main text, he began to ask his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am. Notice that he's taking time with his disciples and he is asking them a simple question. Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? But notice that the disciples was like us. They were hearing things. And, and how many know even though we are in the church, we are going to hear things. And one thing you can always count on about people is that folk going to have their opinions. I said one thing you can count on even in church is that folks are going to have 
their opinions. I need to take it even farther. Not only are folk going to have their opinions, but even in the house of God, you have folk who don't mind sharing or giving you their opinion. I'm even going to take it farther and say that you have people who not only don't mind giving you their opinion about things, even when it is not asked, but they are really strong about their opinions. I'm wondering tonight, do anybody know somebody that not only likes sharing their opinion, but they are strong-minded about their opinions. They, they take their opinions, uh, come on somebody, and try to make their opinions Bible. And, and see, so you have that even in the church. Sometimes the church is hindered from making progress because you have too many opinions that are going forth. Sometimes an auxiliary is hindered from being all that God desires for that auxiliary to be because when that auxiliary meets or gathers together, you have too many opinions. You have folk that want to do it this way, but then you have somebody else who thinks it needs to be this way. And you have some childish, grown babies in the church that if nobody takes their opinion, oh, I'm about to preach on some of y'all, they won't give their best in the ministry. They will not give their all because their opinion they feel was not valued. But in a Christ-built church, the main thing we want to go for is not our opinion, but the will of God. Oh, I, I should have got more amens right there. I don't want my opinion being established, but I want the will of God to be established in his church. And if it doesn't go the way that I think it should go, I'm okay with that. As long as I know that it's going God's way. I wish somebody would give God a praise right now because you are just like me. You want the will of the Lord to be so. I want God's will to be so in his house. Some of us are not moving. We're not saying amen, but y'all know that's the truth. Folk have opinions and Jesus reveals here when he asked the disciple who do men say that I the son of man am? They begin to share with Jesus the opinions of people. And some thought he was one person and some thought he was somebody else. But see, what ultimately matters, and Jesus proves it, is not what they say, but Jesus wanted to know from his disciples, but who do you say that I am? Can I be honest tonight? Folk don't have an opinion about your pastor that you may not like. There is no way that God is going to bless your pastor, elevate your pastor, and folk not have an opinion about your pastor. Some of you know that's real tonight. Some of our kinfolk have an opinion about our pastor or our shepherds or our leaders that's not a good opinion opinion. But but how many know what it boils down to in the church is that you have to know your shepherd. You have to know your pastor regardless of what folk are saying in the streets. Come on. You have to know the jewel that you have. You have to know the gift that God has placed in this house. 
and don't allow the opinions of other people to matter. Don't allow what folk are saying to cause you to look at your man or your woman of God in a strange way because of the opinions of people. Because folks are going to talk. I said folks are going to talk. Folks going to talk about your pastor if he ain't got nothing. They going to say he shouldn't be preaching until he gets something. And then as soon as he gets something, they going to say he has too much. And so either way, folk going to be folk and they going to talk. You better tell somebody and folk going to have opinions. Shout it at somebody. Tell them folk going to have an opinion. Can I be honest? They're not only going to have an opinion about those of us who are out front, but they're going to have an opinion about those of you who sit in the pews. But Jesus says to them, but who do you say that I, the son of man, am? We know what they say, but what do you say? And Peter being outspoken, as he often was, he got it right. I said he got it right. Notice what the Bible says. Jesus answered and said, but who do you say, I'm in verse 15, that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. You are the one that the prophets talked about who was to come. And notice that Jesus tells Peter that he is blessed because he knew how to receive revelation. Saints, we have to know how to come to church and receive revelation. You have to know how to come to church and be going through battles, but yet you know how to receive a word or a revelation about what you're going through. See, we're really not blessed until we can receive, listen to me, revelation that comes from God. Not only do we need to believe in what is written, but it is important as children of the Most High God that we also know how to believe in that which is revealed. Because, see, that's what a bona fide pastor, that's what a Christ-minded pastor does for God's sheep. He fights to get God's people a right now word. He fights in prayer to get you your rhema. He know you're going through, and so he has to fight in prayer in order to step before you, not just with any kind of word, but a word that is designed and tailor-made to change your life. Come on, somebody. And it took a word like that to change our lives. It took a word like that when we was down to say to us that better is here and better is what? Coming. Because you wasn't going to hear that on Channel 2. You wasn't going to hear that on 36 and 46. You wasn't going to get that on Showtime or Cinemax that came. 
because a shepherd fought. A shepherd battled to get the people of God a word. Battled to get a word. And, and see, that's the reason you have to have a pastor who is battle-tested because he's going to make sure every time he comes before God's people that he or she has their word. That he has their word. All we have to do is come to church hunger and thirsting after righteousness because I got a pastor who's battle-tested. Doesn't matter what he has been going through this week. He's going to have my word going to have what I need. He's going to have what my family needs. He's going to have what the church needs. He's going to have embedded in him what the leaders need. And he is going to release to God's people what they need. But if the shepherd is not battle tested, he will not fight to get the word. And if you're in a church where the pastor is not battle tested, and is not fighting through things to get a word from God. Can I say to you tonight, then the sheep are in trouble. The sheep are in trouble if the pastor comes and does not have a word. The sheep are in trouble. And I should say they're in big trouble. If you have a pastor who didn't get God's people word because of what he or she was going through, they was too busy having a pity party, they was too busy feeling sorry for themselves, God's people are going to be destroyed. Listen to me tonight. Enemies are not only going to attack God's church, but the enemies are going to be able to do what God never ordained for them to do which is to prevail. This is what makes the job of a pastor essential. He has to be battle tested. Are y'all with me on tonight? Notice that he says that the gates of Hades or the gates of hell are going to come against his church. Two things I want you to Understand about the gates of Hades or the gates of hell. Number one, it represents the place of the dead. The place of the dead. And wherever you have the place of the dead, you will also have the second meaning, which is the God of the dead. So in other words, Satan, demons, and evil forces are going to consistently attack God's church are going to consistently attack God's pastor. It's going to consistently attack God's leaders. Are y'all with me tonight? This is the reason John 10 and 10 said that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to what? Kill. And to what? Destroy. See, we have thieves that are coming against the church with the objective of stealing, killing, and destroying. Figuratively, death means to put an end to something. See, when God's church is progressing, when God's church is thriving, when God's church is doing what it is supposed to be doing, then thieves are coming. 
the gates of hell are coming against God's church in order, listen to me, to put an end to what the people are doing. Listen, that's great. For what the people are doing that they need to be doing. You remember the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was building the wall and basically minding his own business, doing a good work. But the enemy had to try and attack Nehemiah's purpose. And the enemy tried to frustrate. That's the word the Bible used. That he tried to frustrate his purpose. See, whenever you're in the will of God and the enemy shows up in trying to frustrate you in your purpose. That simply says that the gates of hell, death is attacking you, trying to cause you to stop doing, listen to me somebody, what God ordained for you to do. See, the pastor ain't the only one going to come up under attack. Anybody who is doing what God told them to do is coming under attack. I should have got more amens. I said, if you doing tonight what God told you to do, enemies are coming at you. Things are coming to try to get you to come down off of that wall. Nehemiah had to deal with Sambalit. Now, he had to answer them. And what did he tell them? He said, why should I come down? Why should the work cease while I come down to y'all? See, we have to know when the gates of hell attack, we have to stay, if you will, on the wall. You have to know how to continue doing what God set you in the house to do. Listen, despite the battles that you go through. Because the higher you go in God, the greater your battles get. Somebody should have amen that word then. I said, the higher you go in God, the greater your battles get. So be careful in your prayer closet about asking God to give you a double anointing of what your pastor has. You may not want to go through all that your pastor is going through. Come on. Don't ask God to give you a double anointing of what first lady had. You may not know in totality what it takes. I know I'm talking right tonight. I say you may not know because church folks are bad at coveting what they see other folks do it. Not realizing it costs something. Oh, come on. Some of you paid a price to be where you are. You paid a price to stay where you are. It costs you something. Didn't get here by accident. It costs you something. Who am I talking to tonight? It costs you something. You've been through battles. You are, in fact, battle tested yourself. He said that the gates of hell shall not prevail. Three things it means to prevail. Number one, he's saying, when it comes to the gates of hell, to the God of death, what the enemy tries to do will never be more powerful than what I put in you. Did y'all hear me? It cannot prevail. It cannot be more powerful than. 
That's the reason John said, greater is he that is in than he that is in what? The world. See, that which attacks God's people or God's church cannot be more powerful than God's church or the anointing that God placed upon his, his church. But you got to know that when the gates of hell are attacking you at your house, you got to know that when the gates of hell are attacking your marriage, you have to know stuff like that. When the gates of hell are attacking your children, you have to know that what is in you is greater than whatever is coming against you. Some of us don't know that, but you need to know that tonight. Number two, he is saying that the gates of hell shall not prevail. It will not defeat my church. It will not defeat my church. See, when God's church is where she needs to be, nothing can come against her to defeat her. Nothing can come against her to defeat her. And then finally, you have to consider the day and time in which we live to come up with this third meaning, which means to counsel. The enemy cannot counsel my church. Come on, somebody. Because, you know, we live in what is deemed as the counsel culture. In other words, if somebody is saying something you don't like, you shut them up. If somebody is doing what you don't like, you shut them up. That's the council culture, but not when it comes to God's church. If God has ordained for you to say something, you got to open up your mouth and say it and know that the enemy cannot stop you from saying what God told you to say. But you know what's sad, if, if I just be honest, what's sad is that the enemy does stop some of us from saying what God put in us to say. Some of you, the only time you ever say better is here is when a preacher tells you to say it. If you really knew better was here and better was coming, wouldn't you say it without having to be told? Wouldn't be embedded in you? Wouldn't you know the church vision without somebody having to get you to repeat it after them? We are to be productive in every single aspect. How can you walk out what you don't know? Are y'all with me tonight? And so notice that the church is going to be Battle tested. They're going to go through battles. Somebody feeling me tonight because you're going through a battle right now. Right now. And for some of us, going through battles has become a part of life. There's never a time that we are not going through a battle. Yeah, I was only talking to my real anointed folk then. Because if you truly anointed of God, there's never a time that you ain't going through something. Even if what you're going through is not for yourself, but for somebody else. We're called to go through things. You remember Paul? When God knocked Paul off of that horse, he told Paul how greatly he was going to use him. Told him how mightily he would be. 
But don't forget, he also told Paul that I got to show you. See, we forget these things. How many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And so we're going to be battled, tested, or you're going to go through some things. I like what Peter said in 1 Peter 4 and 12. He said, think it not strange. Come on, come on, come on, concerning, come on, the fiery trial, which is to, watch this, try you as though some strange thing happened. Why do we look at trials, battles, and challenges as something strange? His church is going to be attacked by the gates of hell. The thing to do is to remember while under attack what Paul said in Galatians 6 and 9. Paul told the entire church, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. Whether we want to admit it or not, there are times that we allow battles to wear us down. I knew I wasn't going to get that many amen. I said sometimes we allow battles what we're going through to do to us. Whoa! The very thing God did not ordain for it to do. He ordained that battle for your promotion, but the battle is causing you to be demoted. Sometimes if you're not careful, battles will do to you what they were not ordained to do. They will do to you what they are not supposed to do. I quoted it earlier, 1 Peter 4 and 12. Peter said, think it not strange. Think it not strange. Why I'm going through all this, think it not, think it not strange. But there are times that we allow battles to wear us down. Some saints don't like to admit that. You have folks in all day, no. I ain't amening that. You don't have to amen. I know it's right. I said, I know that it's right. I've lived it. Well, battles was doing to me. What I knew, this should not be affecting me like this. Come on, you have to deal with stuff. Because, see, sometimes preachers and leaders make the mistake of just going to preach through it. I'm just going to teach. No, you're going to have to deal with the the fact that that battle is doing to you what it shouldn't be doing. You can't just preach your way through it. You can get in front of a crowd and say it, but there will be no power behind what you are saying because you are not living what you are preaching. I'll take it a step further. We got too many saints who are singing what they are not living. You can't sing about being an overcomer, yet in your life, we ask the simple question, why are you not overcoming? Because the battle is doing to you what it shouldn't do. 
deal with it for a minute. Y'all might want to loosen up. It's doing to you what it shouldn't do. And some of you, it's obvious when it's doing to you what you shouldn't do because you're one of the main praisers. But when that battle is doing to you what it should not do, you won't even clap. an indication. Come into church when you want to. See, that battle is doing to you what it shouldn't be doing. I see I'm going to have to just stay here for a minute. See, Elijah was a great prophet. One of the greatest. Elijah was so powerful that according to the book of James, he prayed to the Lord that it might not rain. Woo! And the Bible said that the heavens were shut up for three and a half years. He prayed again and the heavens gave rain. You talking about somebody that's powerful. You talking about a mighty man of God. Could you imagine praying and shutting heaven up? He prayed on one occasion. On the Mount of Carmel, when he was battling the prophets of Baal. And he told Baal's prophet, call on Baal and see, can he set the altar on fire? The Bible say the false prophets called on Baal from morning to night. They called on Baal all day. They start cutting themselves, trying to get Baal's attention. Can I preach it right? Oh, Elijah didn't start mocking them. Elijah was so bold that he told them, cry a little bit louder. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he can't hear you. Now listen, this is one man against 450. But when it came time for Elijah to call on his God to set the altar on fire, Elijah did something strange. He showed how powerful his relationship was with God. He showed just how much he was connected to God. See, there's time your pastor has to do certain things just to show you just wow, how powerful this connection is with him and God. Elijah told him, he said, drain the altar with water. Yeah, yeah, just keep pouring buckets of water on, on, on the sacrifice. Yeah, 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 y'all ain't finished yet. Go ahead and dig a trench around it and, and then pour water all in the trench. And then the Bible said he stepped back. Oh, come on, somebody. Then he stepped back and he called on the God of heaven. He called on Elohim. He called. And the Bible says, that Elijah caused fire to come down from heaven and it set the altar on fire. That was a lot of hard preaching about Elijah. Then he got a message from Jezebel. The king which said, may the gods do to me and more so. If I don't do to Elijah what he done to my prophets. The Bible says Elijah took off running, hid in a cave, and told God, Lord, it is enough now. Lord, take my life. He allowed what that woman said to him to do to him 
as a prophet of God, what simple words from a man should have never done. And if Elijah can allow something to get him down, then ain't no need in you trying to convince me that there's never a time that something doesn't try to get you down. Are you greater than Elijah? See, there are times that we allow battles to do to us what they shouldn't do. What they shouldn't do. Jeremiah was another great prophet. Called to minister to a people that God called a rebellion. A stiff-necked people. Jeremiah got the prophesying, but, but then all of a sudden, he allowed him and leaders, the people, to get to him. Come on, come on. Jeremiah allowed the people to get to him. The people he was called to lead, he allowed to get to him. And he ended up saying, I will not speak in his name anymore. Oh, come on, somebody. He, he said, I will no longer speak in his name. I will shut my mouth. But Jeremiah, you were called to, to, to prophesy. You were called to warn the people. You were called to do what you're doing. But see, he allowed the people to get next to don't you know God had to deal with Jeremiah? And when God got to dealing with Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, I could not hold my peace. For his word was shut up like fire in my bones. Why am I saying all that? Because we allow battles to do what they shouldn't. Notice when I talk about a battle-tested church, I want to give you three things that that means or that it suggests on tonight when you are a battle-tested church. Number one, it says that you have been through the fire and you have came out with a testimony. See, as we go through battle, we have to allow our testimony, come on somebody, from previous battles to strengthen our heart in reference to current battles. See, when you are battle tested, again, it says about you that you have been through the fire. But you came out victorious or you came out with. That's the reason I like to teach the saints in Noonan that there are times that you have to preach to yourself. There are times that you have to encourage yourself. Nobody should be able to preach your testimony like you can preach it. What did David say? I encourage, he encouraged himself in the Lord. How did David do it? Because he relied upon what God had did in previous battles. 
you, some of you right now, you came tonight and you're allowing a battle to do to your mind what it should not do. But all you have to do, child of God, is recall what God has done for you time and time and time and time and time. And time and time and time. See, I'm preaching to somebody. God has brought you out time after time after time after time. Why is this battle going to be any different? The same way he brought you out the last time. Guess what he's going to do this time, sister? He's going to bring you out again. Ain't the first time folk left. Ain't the first time folk walked off. Ain't the first time folk said, see you, bye. But he took care of you the last Matter of fact, some of us, he elevated us after folk left. Number two, which is important, when a person is battle tested, when a church is battle tested, you're proven to be reliable, to be ready, even during seasons of adversity. See, when you are battle tested, you're proven. You are proven to be reliable, to be ready. See, until a person learns how to handle trials, until a person learns how to go through certain battles, it becomes a liability to put such a person in leadership. See, some of you didn't like that. It it becomes almost your fault. For putting somebody so unreliable. She leaves the auxiliary never on time. And everybody in the auxiliary know it just depending on what she's going through. Can't put nobody like that over an auxiliary. And then wonder why it is not moving forward. Neither can the pastor babysit every auxiliary. See, I'm teaching right. But when a person becomes battle tested, they are proven to be reliable, ready, listen, to serve or do whatever is asked of them, even doing times of adversity. See, some of you are looking sad because you already know you cannot be counted on when you're going through things. And, and, and I'm not trying to be hard, but but a leader has to grow beyond that. I, I'm gonna be on. I'm gonna give you that. Maybe in your first couple years of leadership, I'm gonna give you that. You're going through something different. The tests are hotter. The trials are coming more regularly. They're more fierce. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. But as you've been in leadership for years, and I look at you, and you are basically the same person today. When it comes to dealing with trouble as you was 10 years ago. You've been with the ministry since its conception. But when I talk to you, I still got to watch my words and be careful what I. You've been with me too long by now. By now, you know I can get mad. By now, you know. (laughs) What about real pastors at? Your members should know already when they know you, they should know what hurts you. You should be able to walk in on some stuff not going right. And people say, Pastor, it won't happen again. We, 
Because he looked a certain way and you knew the look. I'm in my closing. But when you become battle tested, listen, you learn to be in place no matter what you're going through. Listen, you learn to be in place and happy about being in place. Because some folk will show up. I'll give you that. You will show up, but you're going to have on your face and your behavior letting folk know you are really not happy about being here. See, see, I want somebody urging that all hell breaking loose in their life, and they out there urging like, hallelujah, welcome to OCC. We are happy to see you. Can't be growling at visitors. We know you, but they don't. You know, if you ever get a message, I went up there. Oh, them some mean folks up there. I went up there. I ain't never going. Them folk don't treat you right. And more folks in church say, Oh gosh, she ran into so so. So I'm also teaching. What it takes for a church to be progressive. You have to have saints who are ready and reliable even in seasons of adversity. God forbid a pastor building on a foundation with people who are not ready, who are not reliable. Can I just be honest, then I got to move on. There are some folk that are good at what they do, but the attitude that they do it with. Come on, that's another story. Yeah, she can sing, but she act like if she don't sing, can't none of us sing. Y'all ain't got no folks up here like that. But see, Nuna, no, I will go for it. I said, Nuna, no, don't give me no attitude praise him. I will go for it. Just don't put it on live, but I will go for it. it. Listen to me, listen to me. I, I, I'm in the car. But we have to be ready. We have to be reliable, even when you're going through things. Number, number three, and finally, a battle-tested church is equipped to endure. When a person is equipped to endure, they are not going to crack under pressure. Because some of us, we are not just going through things in the church. You're going through things in the house. You're going through things on your job. You're going through things in your finances. You're going through things in your body. But you have to be equipped to endure whatever God is permitting or allowing you to go through. Why, Pastor Conquer? Because he said that his church would be attacked. But the gates of hell, see, I pray this every day, shall not prevail against his church. The gates of hell shall not prevail. 
didn't tell you they weren't coming at you. Didn't tell you you wasn't going to be attacked. Just gave you a guarantee that it won't work. Nothing that the enemy tries will work. Somebody should have got happy right then. I said nothing that the enemy tries will work. I'm going to say it again because some leaders didn't get it in them. Nothing that the enemy tries will work. Now, if that's in your pastor and you connected to your pastor, you ought to be saying what your pastor said. Nothing that comes against us will work. And pastor need leaders to help him preach it. Need to be able to look at stuff coming against the church and preach and say, you will not work. See your first lady going through and say, you will not work. Because, as I close, just like we go through things as individuals, we're going to go through things as a body. There are going to be seasons that God is going to allow the church, the body, to go through things. That's when we have to jail together. And understand that the gates of hell shall not prevail against Christ's church. A battle-tested church is a Christ-built church. A Christ-built church is a Christ-minded church. A Christ-minded church must have a Christ-minded pastor. What did Paul say? I believe 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. What the word imitate mean? Copy behavior. If you know your pastor has been through some things, and he is a witness that it didn't prevail against them, so you got to copy that behavior that he sets before the church. If things are happening at the church and you don't see him cracking up, you don't see him getting nervous, you don't see him wanting to quit, you shouldn't be that way. Go to Isaiah 54 and I'm close. Now, Pastor Dob up here on Sunday morning popping Tylenols in the pulpit and stressed out and worried. Don't worry about what I said, OCC. I'm getting ready to go. Y'all laughing, but they are pastors. See, some churches don't know how blessed they are. You too busy looking at numbers. You need to look at your gift. You need to look at the genuineness in the gift. You need to look at what the gift has been through and still standing. You need to look at what the gift has been through and still giving and still praying and still loving. This man been through a lot, but he's still loving on people. Only a battle-tested pastor can do that. In the clothes. Only a battle-tested pastor can keep loving with some of the painful things he or she has to experience that most of the time comes at the hands of God's people. I ain't heard about him body slamming nobody up there. Isaiah 54. He say he ain't wanted to, but he didn't do it. <laughs> that was something I wanted to go with. But I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't look like a Apostle Borgen. I'm at a loss. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Pastor was not only wrong, but he got beat up too. <laughs> Ain't nobody here in that message Sunday. 
Makeup ain't going to be able to hide that black eye. Y'all, the pastor got beat up. But this is a serious word. I'm going to end with Isaiah 54. Because just like sometimes the church don't truly understand, sometimes it's individuals we don't truly understand. You have to look at all God has brought you through. He's brought you through for a reason. You're battle tested. We got to have ministers that are battle tested. We got to have deacons that are battle tested. We got to have first ladies that are battle tested. They are first ladies that are not battle tested. Only thing they good for is looking good. I'm, I'm thinking that's the only thing they good for. If they can't go through nothing, they can't take nothing. Come on, you can get a vase to look pretty. Flowers look pretty. These flowers can't do nothing but give off beauty. That's it. A first lady better be battle tested for what she going to go through. It's going to cause her to walk beside that man of God. And she has to know who she is even when members try to talk about her on the sly. Isaiah 54. I got to. Isaiah 54. This is a scripture we don't even understand, but I'm going to close with this. Isaiah 54, 17. It reads just like Matthew 16, 18. You just got to catch it. No weapon. Some of us say this is our favorite scripture. No weapon formed against you shall what? Shall what? How many? No weapons. Somebody shout no weapon. Somebody shout no weapon. No weapon formed against your children going to prosper. No weapon formed against your money going to prosper. No weapon formed against your house going to prosper. No weapon formed against your auxiliary going to prosper. No weapon formed against your spouse going to prosper. No weapon formed against your pastor going to prosper. No weapon formed against your bishop going to prosper. Come on. But hold on, brother. Hold on. But here's the key. He said no weapon formed shall what? Prosper. Tell your neighbor he never told you. They wouldn't form. He told you they wouldn't prosper. Why are you crying because it formed? It is according to Isaiah 54 17 supposed to form. It's just not posed to prosper. It's supposed to form. You've been elevated. It's supposed to form. You've been promoted. It's supposed to form. But what it ain't supposed to do, I know that bad ain't, but what it ain't supposed to do is prosper. It ain't supposed to win. It ain't supposed to get you out of the will of God. It ain't supposed to cause you to speak contrary to this right. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer requests and testimonies to our website at OCCVR.org. That's OCCVR.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at OCCVR.org. Click on the Give button to give online, or you can utilize text to give Text GIVE to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225.
5. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at OCCVR.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.